today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. The only way for us to live a holy life is by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what Paul says. He says, you need the Holy Spirit, the help of the Holy Spirit. Don't even think about it. Don't even try unless you have the Holy Spirit. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of 2 Timothy. The world tells us that if we want something in this life, we just have to work really hard for it. And while there's nothing wrong with working hard, this principle does not apply to our relationship with Jesus. In today's message, Pastor J.D. will remind you that only through the Holy Spirit can we overcome sin. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in 2 Timothy chapter 1 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Even when Jesus said to Peter, Peter, Satan has asked for permission to sift you as wheat. <laughs> if I'm Peter, I'm like, you didn't give him permission, did you, Lord? <laughs> I did. You did? Why would you do that? Because afterwards, and this is important, by the way, because Satan cannot do anything to us unless God gives him permission to do it first. And God will never give the devil permission to do anything to us unless it's for his glory and our good. Ask Job about that. Satan could not touch even a hair on Job's head unless God allowed it, and God only allowed it because in the end it would be for his glory and Job's good. Same thing with Peter. Satan had to ask for permission. And so Jesus says, I gave him permission. (laughs) Why? Because after he sifted you as wheat, uh, you're going to minister to the brethren. He says to Peter, "Uh, you're going to deny me. Peter's response, no I'm not. Jesus, yes you are. Peter, no I'm not. Jesus, actually Peter, you're going to deny me three times after the rooster crows. And Peter, I mean, it it would be the furthest thing from his mind. It would be inconceivable, unthinkable, no way, way. So where did Peter fall? He fell in the area of his greatest strength, courage. Let his guard down. So there they are. He's, his first mistake was warming himself by the enemy's fire. Uh, when we get too comfortable, close in proximity to the world's fire, we're asking for trouble. And he's asked, hey, weren't you with him? You have to understand that the deci- everybody abandoned Jesus, just like here with the Apostle Paul. They all deserted him. Why? Because, are are you kidding me? 
they're going to crucify him. And if I'm associated with him, that means they're going to crucify me too. So I better run, run away and lay low. And No, you were with him. No, I wasn't. No, I, 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 I know you were with him. No, I wasn't. What are you talking about? I don't even know this guy. I've never seen this guy before in my life. Nah, you're, I can tell by your Galilean accent. Now you were with him. And then he swears, not vulgarities. He swears an oath. I swear, I never knew this man. And then the rooster crow. You know, it, when you read the text, it, it doesn't really capture, I think it requires the Holy Spirit to be able to really capture the intensity of that moment, because they made eye contact. And Jesus looked at Peter, and Peter looked at Jesus, and he was devastated, and wept bitterly, and never imagined that when they made eye contact, that Jesus had this disdain or this disgust, like, I told you you would deny me. Not at all. That wouldn't be the final word. This isn't a teaching on the life of Peter, although that would be a great teaching. Jesus would restore him three times. Do you love me, Peter? Yes, I love you, Jesus. Feed my sheep. Second time, do you love me, Peter? Yes, I love you, Jesus. Feed my sheep. The third time, we're told that Peter just broke down and cried because he knew what Jesus was doing. I don't think it was tears of bitterness or regret or sorrow. I think it was tears of joy because he was being restored that third time. Maybe that's a word for somebody here today. You've denied the Lord. You blew it bad, big time. And the enemy's been right there to rub your face in it like, oh my, yeah, you God wouldn't do that. I'd run as far away as I could if I were you. No. Don't the enemy do that to you. Don't the enemy do that to you. There's nothing you can do that is going to make God love you less. And here's another thing, I know this might be a firm grasp of the obvious, but do you actually think that when we blow it and mess up, that God's in heaven going, what did he just do? When did this happen? Are you kidding me? I have told him till I blew in the face. He even vowed to me and told me and made a promise to me, I'll never do that again, Lord, and he did it. That's it. Have it up to here with him. No, I mean, I know that's silly and funny, but that's true, isn't it? You know why that's true? Because we see our heavenly father through the lens of our earthly father. Don't do that. Man, early on in my Christian life, I did that and it just, it, it killed me. It wasn't until 
many years walking with the Lord that the Lord ministered to me to stop looking at him through the lens of my earthly father because my earthly father was mad at me all the time. I gave him good reason to be. <laughs> but he was always angry. I never wanted to be around him because I was always in trouble. God's not angry with me. He loves me. Or, if you prefer, he still likes me. He actually likes me. He's not mad at me. So when you read a verse like this in God's Word, and you read this, this warning, the strength of it, it's from a loving Heavenly Father that says, don't let your guard down. Because I love you. And I can't stand to watch you needlessly, unnecessarily suffer the consequences. So that's what we're to guard. How? Ah, that's what I love about the Word of God. It's the how of the Holy Spirit to do the what of the Holy Word. If you don't hear anything that I say or yell today, <laughs> hear this please. God will never call you or command you to do anything without also enabling you by the power of the Holy Spirit to do it. He can't not. I know that's not proper English. Don't email me. It's inconsistent with who he is, because if, let's just say hypothetically, for purpose of discussion, that he did that, he'd be setting you up for a fall. And God can tempt no man with evil. In fact, it's the opposite that's true. God will always create an environment in our lives that is conducive to our obedience. He'll always set us up for, for obedience, never for a fall or failure. He'll always orchestrate the circumstances, choreograph the steps in our lives as He guides us so that it's conducive to obedience. I mean, you might almost say that, for lack of a better way to say it, that the odds are stacked for us, not against us. This is perhaps amongst the most profound truths in all of Scripture. I don't know if it's possible to overstate it. I know that sounds, wow, dramatic and big. And, but the only way for us to live a holy life is by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what Paul says. He says, you need the Holy Spirit, the help of the Holy Spirit. Don't even think about it, don't even try, unless you have the Holy Spirit. So how am I going to guard the truth, guard the Word, never let my guard down by the power of the Holy Spirit? Here's the truth. It's actually the three steps. Step number one, 
know that I can't. Step two, know that He can. Step three, let Him. Let Him. The Christian I feel the most sorry for, and believe you me, I have tasted from this cup, and I, I have so much compassion on the Christian who is trying to live the Christian life in the energy of their own strength. It is a recipe for condemnation. And make no mistake about it, the enemy will be right there condemning you. You've, you, you fell again, you, you failed again. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. Would to God, I think about what Paul wrote to the Galatians. Who has bewitched you? Who has cast a spell on you? Are you now trying to perfect in the flesh the work that God began in the Spirit? What's up with that? Here you're born again of the Spirit of God, and the Holy Spirit indwells you and empowers you, and you get to this point, and you say, okay, God, I'll take it from here. I got it. I got this. No, you don't. No, I got I, Because now, oh, just, where, where's that stop clock? Oh, that's an old metaphor. I got to bring my, it's an app. They have an app for that. So you, where's that stop clock? I'm going to push start now, because it's just a matter of time. When Paul writes to the Romans in chapter 8, I love this chapter, I love this chapter, I love this chapter. Did I I tell you I love this chapter? I often say it, I hope you don't tire of me saying it, if you ever, ever doubt the love that God has for you, you need to spend some time in this chapter. Because it will be a reassurance, a much needed reassurance that there is absolutely no thing that can separate you from the love that God has for you. Verse 26, in the same way, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Oh my goodness. Thank you, Jesus. You know how it is when you're trying to pray, you don't know how to pray, and and the Holy Spirit says, uh, I need to edit that prayer. I'm going to tweak it, and I'm going to intercede for you instead of you. And verse 27, He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Did you catch that? Oh, this is really good news. Because you know what this means? If I'm praying, if I'm seeking God, the Holy Spirit indwelling me, interceding for me, takes what I pray, and he tweaks it so that it's presented according to God's will. I pray every day, the Lord knows my heart, that he would do that with my sermons. 
the sermon you hear is not necessarily the sermon I preach, because sometimes I leave this pulpit, I think, oh God, you got a lot of work to do on that one. Because see, the Holy Spirit goes right to the heart. Man looks only at the outward appearance, but God knows the heart, sees the heart. And that's why it is that God can take His Word that doesn't return void when it leaves here. The Holy Spirit is very busy, especially with my sermons, <laughs> tweaking it and editing it and fine-tuning it to that need of your heart. And I love it when God does that. Somebody will, you know, say to me, Pastor, how did you know? I'm like, what are you talking about? Oh, did, did somebody call you? What are you talking about? No, when you said such and thus, oh, that was for me. I'm like, thank you, Lord. <laughs> that was the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8. I'm going to have to, you're going to have to, Bear with me on this, just, just for a moment, okay? But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Hang on to that word, upon, for just a moment. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Okay. Uh, this word power in the original language of the Greek New Testament is dunamis, where we get our English word for, you'll forgive me for saying it like this, dynamite. That was an old sitcom, you young people have no idea. Dynamite. Power. That's the Holy Spirit's power. Let's talk about this word upon. Why is that important? Because there are three different Greek prepositions in the original language that describe the work of the Holy Spirit. One of those prepositions is para in the Greek, alongside. It's where we get our English words for things like paralegal, parachute, parallel. The Holy Spirit is para, the paraclete comes alongside. And then there's the Greek pronoun en, en, where we get in, I-N. That's the Holy Spirit in you, indwelling you. But then there's a third, and it's the Greek pronoun epi, our English word upon. That's a whole different ballgame. So I've got the Holy Spirit alongside of me as a helper. I got the Holy Spirit indwelling me as a believer, and now I've got the Holy Spirit upon me? Yeah. Empowering me? Yeah. So much so that your life will become like torrents of living water. You know when there's a flood, you see those flood waters, how powerful they are? They're bringing whole houses like a, like a toothpick downstream. That's how powerful it is. I love the, the best illustration I ever heard was that of 
a canoe. I'm going to make it local canoe on the beach. You want to get it into the water, but it's on the beach in the sand. So you're trying to push the thing and, you know, it's not moving. And then all of a sudden here comes the tide, the water. And I mean, you just take your pinky because of the power of the water and the tide to take that into the water. That's the Holy Spirit. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, what are you saying, Pastor? Are you going to get Pentecostal on me? Just hang in there. This is known as the baptism with the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and empowers you. That's the epi. The upon. Well, wait a minute, Pastor. I thought I had the Holy Spirit when I got saved. Absolutely. The Holy Spirit indwells you, in you. But the Holy Spirit can be upon you. That's different than in you. That's upon you. Here's an illustration. You got a, a glass and you got a pitcher full of water. Okay? You take that pitcher, you put it, put it next to the glass, it's alongside para. Now, you take that pitcher and you start pouring water in the glass. That's indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But what if he just kept on pouring that thing upon to where it's overflowing? That's the appeal, the filling, the baptism with the Holy Spirit. That's the only way. <laughs> That's the how. You know, I I read God's Word. Better said, God's Word reads me. (laughs) I search the Scriptures. The Scriptures search me. Find me wanting in many areas. And available to me, available to you, is this power of the Holy Spirit to do everything that's in this Holy Word. That's how. That's how. Why? Uh, Well, verses 15 through 18. (laughs) Paul is saying that the reason why is because if you let your guard down, you're not on guard. It's easy to read the book of 2 Timothy and think it only applies to pastors. But the Word of God is always inclusive. This means you can glean something from every page, no matter who you are. So don't let your social status, job, age, or how long you've been a Christian hinder you from diving into the Bible. It's full of wisdom that you can apply to your life. As you listen to Pastor J.D.'s message today, we pray your faith was impacted in a powerful way. If you missed any part of this message or would like to hear others like it, just visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. There you'll find an archive of teachings as well as other helpful tools in your walk with the Lord. We always love to hear from our listeners too. If you have a specific prayer request or any questions, please don't hesitate to get in touch with us through our contact form on our website. 
Again, that's InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. You'll find it under the About tab. If you're in the Kaneohe area, we'd love to connect and have you join us for our worship services. Always feel free to bring your friends and family along, too. It's a great time of fellowship and learning about God with Pastor J.D. Be sure to let us know that you're a listener of In Spirit and Truth when you visit. You can find out more about Calvary Chapel Kaneohe at our website or find us on our media platforms to stay up to date with all things concerning Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. With that, our time with you has come to an end. Thanks for being part of our study in the book of 2 Timothy here today. We hope you'll tune in again right here on In Spirit and Truth. Holy.